This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling it, Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging it, Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Federico stolen from Reinhardt, breaking in. The Hunter, Hunter shooting, rebound. Jada Hall looking for 500. He shoots. He scores. Brad Hall, number 500. Oh, unbelievable oh, save by Jake Allen. Tarasenko in the clear. He scores. And now here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, Blues fans, and welcome to this week's edition of the Blues NHL Podcast. I'm your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Let me welcome in my cohort in crime, Darren Kimball. What do you say, bud? Oh, beautiful. beautiful. Getting ready for this big storm coming, Cromes. Yeah, ice. You, well, you should like ice, right? Yeah, I like ice, but not this kind, I don't think. Do you break the skates out and just skate to work and all that, mm, or no? No, I don't, but when I was a younger kid, I skated on roads back in Canada. We could skate on them once in a while. Dad didn't like that because it wrecked the skates, but we, we tried it once in a while. Is this right after you walked uphill to school and home, no, uphill was, with snowshoes? I will always say, my dad, I believe in the stories I heard of my dad. I know he did that, but I can't claim that fame either. You can't claim that fame? No, I won't. And I I won't do that. And that's okay. Not well, yet. I, mean, I think when we get older, we can do that, but not yet. I won't. Okay. Well, you've carried the mail many times in your life. Are you ready to carry it today? Because our fearless leader, Jamie, is with his sons, I believe, in hockey, playing, playing a little hockey somewhere. Yeah, he's hoping that that's, this gets a little more room in here to move around. You know, he likes to come in and own this place, so now we maybe can take a little bit of advantage of ourselves, can't I, we? I think he might uh, give that vibe when he's on air, too, <laughs> is that he's running the show. And I think we kind of let him run yeah, the show, he, so that's fine. Okay. But um, but no, he is on. Should we say he's on assignment? Yeah, we'll go with that. Make him feel important when make, he hears this. Make him feel important. Yeah. When he hears. Well, we're going to try to carry on without him. But uh, hey, great interview that he had with Luke Cunning. What a! I know you're. Uh, before we get to our blue stuff, I wanted to talk with you because if anybody follows you on Twitter, and if you don't, I encourage you to. As you're a piece of work on there, sometimes <laughs> I love listening to you. But uh, at Kimby29. Um, You've uh, you sent out some real great stuff about the World Juniors, and uh, I know some people had brought up some things such as it was a great game, um, and it was ended with a skills competition, which is minorly true, I guess. But it, everybody knows the rules going in. But uh, you had sent something out now that uh, everybody's going to freak out trying to figure out why Canada lost. Yeah, you know what? Because and, that and it happens that way, and and you know you recall, and we can go down this road even in the United States when. They brought this ADM program in, and then all of a sudden uh, the Americans didn't show very well in the Olympics or, or whatever it was they didn't show well in. They wanted to revamp everything here too, so people just jumped the gun a little too quick. And um, when we, we talk about the World Juniors when I was watching it, just for a quick second, the semifinal games when uh, the Americans, uh, they beat the Russians and the Canadians beat the Swedes, those were actually better hockey games than the final game was. And... There was, a, but just just watching that, I, I I watched the final game and and uh, all kudos to the you know I don't 
the, the team won and the right team won that's supposed to win and that's the way it goes and uh, it was a good game people always grumble about the rules the rules are the rules you got to follow the rules you know you, you in life the rules are the rules so if the hockey bigwigs don't like what they are and then they're getting feedback from fans if the fans don't like what they are then do something about it but until that is done live by the rules and away we go yeah and i think it's natural uh inherent part of life to if your team did not benefit from the rule you want to grump about it and if your team did benefit by it you're not that you're necessarily happy i mean i you know i'm sure it's easy for an american to say well the rules are the rules now i there's plenty of i'm an american and i can sit here and say that yeah, I would prefer to have watched sudden death overtime and have the Americans lose than see a shootout. That's just my opinion. That doesn't make it right, but that is how I feel. I mean, I've said it a thousand times over with every sport. I would rather play and lose than win by something that I feel is a is a sideshow. I mean, you can call it what you want, skills competition, sideshow, whatever it is. The bottom line is they have it in there for a reason. I don't know that reason. But uh, when you tweeted that out, I, as a fan, my feeling on it was this. At that level, aren't they all just good teams? And just like in any sport, whoever plays better that day wins? Yeah, and you're correct. It's just like the when you get into the elites of the football, at any sport you're playing, Chromes, you know this as well as I do. The top teams, it's a, it's a minuscule how these uh, pros are separated. So it could be it's, – it's one mistake in a hockey game. It's one mistake in a football game. You don't cover the right guy. It's one little mistake is going to differentiate you from winning a hockey game. And when we go and look at the, the world juniors and the rules that they are, I, and the only thing – and my only complaint is when you're on a stage like this, I don't think there's any I, – I, I don't know what the, the, the elites are doing up there. If there's time restrictions because of the, the TV – or because if there's no time restrictions on the TV, why don't you play this ball game out and let the team put the five guys on the ice? Or but you want to go to four on four? I think fans would enjoy that. I think the three on three has been a success for the NHL as they've gone through this process. But when you're playing in the Olympics, the World Championships, the World Juniors, whatever you may be, to have an outcome on a shootout, okay, well, that's it's, it's not a team game anymore. It's an individual going against an individual. So you've taken the team factor out of it. Why don't... We can just go down the road and say, let's go play overtime. Who wins? Who wins? Because I don't think there should be a time restriction at that level. I think the the media, uh, the, the TV time has got to be there for them. Right. So here I'll ask you this question because I go back and forth on this one. You brought up an interesting point about how you should end it. That being three-on-three three seems to have been a success. Now, I come back to you with this. The three-on-three, three, we see a lot of scoring now because it turns into a lot of two-on-ones, two-on-os occasionally, the way the thing is set up, right? So I'm of the belief now that if you if you played three-on-three till somebody won, that that's more exciting to me than the shootout. The shootout, in my opinion, has gotten stale, okay? Now, that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. So my question to you is this. Would it be better now if the NHL just said we're going to play three-on-three sudden death because it is so exciting back and forth as opposed to the shootout? Or will the three-on-three become stale eventually? Because while it's exciting, I think if you really love hockey, you kind of see it for what it is. And what it really is is eventually somebody gets a two-on-one or a two-on-o, and it is what it is. I, I don't. I, I go with you on the on the three-on-three. And now understand, we're only talking regular season because when you get to playoffs, it's five on five right out, and you play as many overtimes as there is till there's a sure. Win. And so if you're going to go the regular season, they brought the shootout in, and and realistically, I was I was in the minors actually at the time when the shootout was brought in. I was uh, going over here with the River Otters, and 
fans like it. And, and sure. People can say they didn't like, but fans, you know, the, you, people are standing on their feet, and there's there's a lot going through their bodies. And when the, your, their team scores, it's you know, there's a loud roar and everything. So that there is a there is a part for it. And it's the same thing, Chrome's that I, I can repeat on anything. I, you can go into politics or whatever you do. The media drives a lot of this stuff. And when you get the big media's going and uh, the big names in media, and they start shooting down, well, why are we doing the shootout? Why? They got such a following, and they got such people that are believing in this, some of the stuff that they're saying. They just get this following, and it just comes like a tidal wave at you. So it's forcing people to respond to something. And that's why we get back into the old thing, and I'll always say it my whole lifetime. There was nothing wrong with the game at one point. There's nothing wrong with it. And we're always trying to do something different to make it look better. And, you know, they come down here that we're trying to make the American fans like it more So because the hockey's come down to the states where the contracts are for the TVs and all that. And Canada sort of, you know, we're not really going to buy into your ball game anymore. We're, we're going we're gonna to read it down here, and this is what we're going to do. So they want to come in and put new rules in all the time. And, you know, everything going forward, like you, you, you know, holding a guy up, does that lead to concussion? You know, we can go down this road another time, and, I'll, and we'll talk about it another time. But they're always trying to add rules, and I just leave the game the way it is. We're actually going to discuss it today because uh, we got so much feedback, both from your Kimby's Corner on Monday. And in the past, there's been a lot of questions about that exact type of thing. Because for me, it's always – and I asked a question I don't know. Maybe you know. Who are – who – is coming up with these ideas and rules. Is it guys that really played the game or is it guys that are in marketing? So I want to come back to that later. What I want to do right now, though, is take a look at where we are today with our Blues team. And we could have transitioned earlier right out of a statement you made about the, the juniors or anything being, you know, you see one mistake, you see this. We're seeing, it seems to me, as a fan, we're seeing a lot of mistakes. And it, I believe that's the inconsistency that we're seeing. And if we mire in this inconsistency, are we inevitably a 500 team? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really at the point here. You know, there's a. You're coming upon a stage right now in the season uh, where the trade date, the the trade deadline is coming upon you, and so you're sitting with the team you got. So Army's got to be sitting there. Hitch has got to be sitting there. Al McGinnis, the, all the guys at the top of the ladder. So they've come this far with this hockey team, and now they got to sit there and start to evaluate. Are we going to make a push for the playoffs? Uh, are we going to be in the playoffs? Um, you know, so there's a lot going through their mind. Now something else has come to the front for their hockey team because now their goaltender sort of there's there's questions on uh, Jake here. Is he uh, where's he at? Is he good enough to play this game? And uh, I was talking to a person the other day, and, and they said, "Well, I think they need to go with Hutton." And I said, uh, "I disagree with you." I said, "They're at a point right now where they got to ride Jake Allen out to see." if this is the guy they can ride into the playoffs. So, because if he's not going to be the guy, when you get to trade deadline, I'm not saying you trade Jake away. I'm just saying you go find an experienced goaltender and you bring him in if you're going to go make a playoff push. So, you don't get rid of Jake. You, you know, J Jake's confidence, I think, is really hurting him. You watch the game against Boston, and I'm not trying to be really hard on the man. I'm, I'm just going to be truthful. I think the first three goals, I think that's on Jake. I think it's they're all on him. And with the way I see with what's going on right now, I think there's a confidence level with him. Um, and then the Blues, when your goaltender sort of struggling, it starts to creep out to your defensemen, to your forwards, and they start to wonder what's going on back there. And then all of a sudden, they're not worried about their game anymore. Now we're worried about the goalie, so now we're going to make a mistake, and our goalie ain't there to stop it. And that's sort of what bit him in the rear end here against Boston. You know, as a fan, I look at this team and I ask the question of, do I believe in my heart that this team can win a Stanley Cup? I, 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 you know, it pains me to say that I don't think they're anywhere close. Now, that's as a fan. 
um, in my mind, I look at it and I say, okay, they've got some top end talent, right? Um, you bring up the possibility of there maybe being a need to go out and get an experienced goaltender. Now, in my mind, I'm sitting here saying, there's no way we're going to go get you know one of the top goalies in the league. Is it really at that juncture when you feel that you have nothing left to do but try? Is it you go get a veteran guy and hope he gets hot? Is that really what it's about? You, you might get to that point. You're, you're gonna when I look at this team right now and I look at the Blues, you're looking at. I, I believe there's no uh, there's no one to sit on that number one line at the center spot. I think Tarasenko's out there. You got one of the premier players in the league, and there's no one to play with him right now. You got the kid Fabry on the other wing. That's you know he's showing a chemistry with him. But what's going down the middle here? We don't have that guy. Um, you know, I think you have a great defense going here. Uh, probably sh- there's, a, there's a little skeptic going on with what's going to go on with Shattenkirk. We all know we've, we've talked about it many times on the show, so we'll, we'll wait and see what goes on with Shaddy. But like I said, a GM is sitting there, and he's got to wonder. You, you know, Nashville's right on their butt. They're in like sixth spot right now, the Blues yeah. are. So, you know, you're, you're creeping on the line here. You're going out here on this uh, L.A. swing out here. And if you come back and just, I'm just saying, what if they go 0-3? I'll Which get, is a real possibility. Yeah, because LA is playing really well right sure. now. You know, they're, still, they're starting off. And that's always like, a tough trip for them anyway. Yeah, and so it's a hard team you're playing. And LA is one of those teams that are fighting in your division, a conference. So you have to, you're going out and playing these teams. And if things don't go well, you might come back from a trip and you're sitting here and now all the media is coming after you because you might not even be in a playoff spot. Well, you bring up an interesting topic of, uh, from a fan's perspective that I have to ask, and that's this. Everybody right now is going to be on Jake, right? I mean, that's, that's, and that's the nature of the business. You knew it when you played it. If you didn't do your job or whatever, fans are on you, media's on you, coaches on you, that's bad enough, right? D- shit, dad might be calling you from home. That's, that's, that's yep. the worst, right? Yep. So the, the thing for me is, yeah, we want to put all this on him, but I always look at every team this way, not just the Blues. You brought it up. We have one of the premier players in the league, right? Shouldn't we be doing something about who he's playing with? Because here's the deal. Every year that goes by is a year we've wasted with him. Yep. I looked. I, I mean, I always felt the same way with, with everybody in every sport I, I look at. I'm like, you're not going to have this guy for very long. You better put something around him. The teams that seem to be successful are the teams that kind of act that way, to be honest. They, they do. Like, hey, here's our window. You know, we're going to keep doing what we got to do now, and we're going to extend ourselves a little bit, maybe past where we're comfortable, whether that means prospects or whatever. But, I mean, this is this is almost borderline nutty. I, and I got to be honest, I, I loved Latera when he got here. I don't know what changed for him. I don't know if the style of play caught up with him and it's hard on him. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that because it's probably above my knowledge level. Yeah, and, and we got I got got to be careful here cuz like I said, you're on a fine line of going going in the good or you're on a fine line of going in the bad. So we don't want to kick sand all over the place at these guys. Um but now so let's just let's just look at the history of the St. Louis Blues. So could you imagine having uh when Brett Hall was here uh and all of a sudden Adam Oates played with him, uh a number 1 center without a doubt, Hall of Famer. Craig Janney played with him. Uh, Good player, underrated player. Under, underrated player, beautiful, you know, loved to pass the puck. But, so, but they always went out and made sure Brett Hall had that guy. Sure. So I, w- I was sitting, uh, again, another day I'm sitting up at the rink and a guy goes to me, why don't they try someone else in that spot, like Berglund or someone in that spot? And I said, I get where you're coming from, but understand something. Tarasenko's not there to bring someone else along. You need someone to get out there to bring Tarasenko along. I said, that's the part of the ballgame because you're wanting to feed your top dog. And if you feed your top dog... That brings all this confidence through the whole team. Right. But, you, you know, 
Tarasenko can't be sitting there. You know, you want to be a leader and everything. And this, and this, I'm not trying to sound stupid when I'm saying this, but Tarasenko, you have to sort of feed up, put the horses up, and say, "Here, this is our guy. Make sure let's make sure he's going because he's given us a chance to win the game." Because when you played at the Brett Hall, you were always going into the game, and it was you always knew you were pretty well up, one nothing going into the game because Hollywood was scoring every game. So it might be one nothing, two nothing, whatever it may be. Sure. And I think Tarasenko has the possibility of getting on that roll, and but we need. You need someone to feed down that role, and Hitchcock's Hitchcock's game plan really doesn't. You know, when Holly went to Dallas, he wasn't a big fifty goal scorer. He had to buy into the system. Sure, and that's what Hitch does. Hitch wants everyone to play the same system, but I think you're in a process here where goals are a demand right now, and especially for the Blues because a lot of the games they win are two one. You know, they're real close hockey games because they play a good defensive system usually. So. Getting goal scoring from, you know, one of the only guys that's scoring goals for you. You know, you better find a centerman for him to play with him. We finally get a goal from Pareko. He finally doesn't break a stick. You know, I, I'm sitting there. I, I, I had the opportunity to go to the skills uh, thing Sunday and, and talk to some of the guys afterwards. And I had a chance to talk to Pareko, and I didn't ask him about the sticks. But it was interesting. When I was looking for pictures to use for the for the episode, one of the pictures that I found on social media was somebody had gotten a picture of him shooting that puck 105 miles, 104 miles an hour, whatever it was, and his stick almost looked like a C. It was bent so much, and it didn't break there. But I was listening to the game, and the Blues were down, and, and I was actually driving somewhere, so I was listening, and you could hear it in Kelly's voice. You know, slap shot by – oh, he breaks his stick. You know, and almost like here we go again. You know, but then he winds up scoring. It wasn't but a few minutes later. So happy for him. Maybe he gets off the Snyder because – I. Being snake bitten is something that's real, right? Because it, it, he's not short of chances. I mean, he's 100 and something shots without a goal. Shoots the puck very hard, does a great job. Maybe maybe we start getting a little bit out of the defensive end from him offensively. That would help. Yeah, and, and you know, what he's doing and, and, and how young he is and where he's going to go in this game, you know, it's, there's, only, there's a tremendous upside for him. Uh, so he's not scoring goals, so what's going on? So we're going to talk about it all the time. Everyone's going to talk about it. It's in the paper all the time. He's a young kid. He wants to score. It's not like the kid doesn't want to score. Um, you know, he's, he's a really strong man. He's using the stick, these sticks that they use nowadays, and, and yeah, they snap. Like, you know, back in the day when we used those Eastons, and uh, I remember games when Holly would take one shot and it would come out as a boomerang, the stick would it come back. It wouldn't break. It just bent. It was just right. like a, 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 you know, rubber, you know. But So Perry Echo, he wants to score goals. Um, and all of a sudden now we get in, the media comes into the ballgame, and I guarantee you they're asking the man every day in the, down the dressing room, are you going to score? Are you going <laughs> to score? Are you going to score? And so what does a young kid do? He's sitting there going, the pressure of the world is starting to mount on this man, and he's coming up and he's getting on his shoulders, and that's all he's thinking about. Yeah. And if that's all you think about, it'll start to creep into your actual defensive abilities, and then people start getting around you and little mistakes start being made, and the goaltending starts to come into effect now. So then, also, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes on. So the kid's going to score goals. Uh, you know, at some point in time, it's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. But right now, he, everybody, everyone goes through it. So he's gone through a process here, and he will come out of it. And once he does, the team will be better off for it. Yeah, he's uh, he's an impressive cat. Like, you know, you see these guys on TV and you see him in person. Sometimes you say, man, I, he doesn't look that small on TV, but he's really small. Let me tell you something. Preko looks big on the ice. And in person, this is a big dude. Mm -hmm. And he's put together, too. I mean, he looks like 
if I was going to have a hockey team, I'd want him on my blue line. I mean, he is put together. So I think we've got something there for sure from a long-term perspective. And uh, I hope he gets on a roll because let me tell you something, he was a great kid too, very mature uh, in the way he handled it. But, but, but that smilish grin on his face when everybody was talking to him afterwards about the 104 and – you know, and, and just talking, I asked him a little bit about, would you like to someday do that at an all-star game? And he's like, well, of course, you know, that's the, <laughs> who wouldn't want to do that? And I asked him if maybe him and McKinnis might go back and forth a little bit. And he very respectfully said, I think Al's done a lot more in his career. I'll let him have it. You know, and, <laughs> it, it, but people understand. And so you can see, a, uh, you can see a, how he shoots the puck and he shoots the puck 104 miles an hour. And now comes the process, Chrome's, and uh, it might sound silly, but like Al McGinnis was one of the hardest shots when I played the game. Uh, he probably was the hardest shot at that point in time. Al I afraid yeah. he was right there with him. But uh, tied so, for first is pretty good in that category, yeah. right? <laughs> and and when you now you're shooting a puck 104 mile an hour, and when you know where it's going, that, yeah. that that's even more dangerous than anything. Because right. you you know you look at the goal and uh, Berglund scored there the other day when Shattenkirk shoots the puck wide, and Berglund tips it. God, he's about 10 feet wide of the net, and he tipped it and it goes in the net. So you know now he's Perry. He just got to make sure he's hit hitting the spots now it's great to shoot the puck at 900 mile an hour but we got to know where it's going did you have to rewind that goal by Berglund against Dallas and say did that really just happen <laughs> I did I I think I watched it like 20 times I'm sitting here going first my very first thought was was that on purpose and it was yeah it was perfect it was definitely on purpose and just the angle with the touch and everything and you know I, I just I had to watch it like 20 times when, when it actually happens on tv and you're so when you, the first time you look at it uh, when it happened, I, I'm thinking, well, okay, Bergman was probably, you know, his stick's right on the goalpost, and he's tipped his puck, and he's going the net. So then they come back with another view of it, and it's coming back from on Shaddy's side. Christ, Berglund's 10 feet off the lane. Yeah. And he, and he tips it in, and it goes top of the corner. Yeah. I go, holy God, that was that, that's, you know, that don't happen. That, that takes a lot of talent to be able to do that. That might be in the playbook a little bit more <laughs> often. You never know. But, um, well, you know, as you mentioned, we've, uh, you know, we, we've, we got to put the Boston thing in. David Back is coming in, emotional thing. Um, my question to you is, then you can put on your – how about this? You can do Jamie's GM chair. You can be the GM. Do you think the Blues realized that they would miss the physical presence of, of Backus, Or do you think they knew and they just felt like, for our long-term stability, we just couldn't do it? I, I, you know, they're they're in the game of hockey. They they know what size means. They they the Army's been around this game a long time. Hitch has been around this game a long time. Contracts start to, when you get to a point and guys get ten years, twelve years into their contracts or, or their longevity of the NHL. Things other things start to come into play. And Backus was asking for five years, I believe, is what he was doing. Um, you know, that's a lot to throw on to a guy that's already into his thirty two, thirty three, whatever Backus is, but. You know, it comes down to contract, and Army's got to sit there and run. He's got to first. He's got to get under the salary cap. Uh, he's got a lot of young kids sitting here. You got Tarasenko and all these guys that are, are needing money. You know, they, everybody needs money at some point in time. That's what they talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers. You know, they got Connor McDavid. They got all these first round picks. When are you going to pay them? You got to pay them at some point in time. Right. And so, th- I, I think the whole talk around St. Louis at the time was when they got rid of him and uh, the other kid, that Brower. Goes, Brower. When Brower goes away. Look at the size you just got rid of. You know, look at look at the size. It's just guys that dominated the corner. Backus was a tremendous leader for the Blues. I think the uh, Blues organization respectfully honored him with what they did, sure. which was a, it was a nice thing because the guy's done. He did a lot off the ice uh, as well on the ice. He you know he brought the mentality of the game. Um, but 
people move, and that's the way the games go. So, you, you know, contracts come into play. If you want all the money, sometimes it's not going to be in your backyard. You, sometimes you got to run down the street and get it, and uh, that's what he chose to do. That was his move. So, you know, he's got a, he's got his family to take care of, and Armstrong and Hitchcock, they got this family to take care of, and, you know, this sort of there's got to be a match at some point in time, and it just wasn't there for those guys. Well, we'll see what happens. Like you said, uh, we'll before we close out the show today, we'll briefly touch on the, the road trip that's coming up. But um, it's a daunting task, especially when you're not playing your best. But the thing I love about hockey is sometimes, and, and I don't think anybody's writing them off by any means, but sometimes, you know, characters built through adversity and your back's up against the wall. You, maybe they go out on the West Coast and they, take, they, they come back with four points. You know, I, I think that would be a successful road trip for them, especially at this juncture. So... Uh, and maybe they build on it. Maybe maybe Jake gets it going. I don't know. But uh, either way, uh, this team is in a dogfight, and they're going to need to step it up, and, and we'll go from there. Uh, before we move on, I want to remind everybody that uh, couldn't do the show without our friends at Vincent Mortgage. Uh, we really appreciate their sponsorship and their, their willingness to jump on board. They're synonymous with all the sports stuff you see in St. Louis. Uh, anytime you hear any of the radio stations, anything like that, you typically are going to hear from Vincent Mortgage because they're so supportive of – uh, of all the sports stuff in St. Louis. Uh, one of the things that's great about them is that you can chat live with a loan officer at vincentmortgage.com and you can get all the information you need instantly. We're going to ask you to visit vincentmortgage.com. Very simply, just click the uh, chat with a mortgage expert. You'll connect live in real time to one of their professional loan officers. They can help you figure out the best way to reach your family's financial goals. Uh, if you're looking to qualify to buy a new house this year, pre-qualified in less than five minutes. If you want to pay off some holiday credit card bills, they might be able to help you skip a mortgage payment or two. I'd like to be able to skip a mortgage payment or two there, Kimby. I don't know about you, but maybe I should give them, give them a call for sure. But uh, rates are on the rise, so if you have not locked in yet and you've got one of those adjustable rates, you better give them a call. Now's the time. Uh, make sure you call 314-839-9999 or visit VincentMortgage.com for more info. Let's hear from our friends at Vincent Mortgage here real, real quick. Quit holding off on refinancing your home. You must do it right now. The rates are projected to rise in 2017, and at Vincent Mortgage, we have professional loan officers that can help you with your current financial situation. Don't miss this opportunity to save. Call today, 314-839-9999, or chat live at vincentmortgage.com. Come visit us at 12801 Flushing Meadows Drive, St. Louis, Missouri, 63131, NMLS number 225095. Great stuff from our friends at Vincent Mortgage. We really appreciate them. They're uh, such a big supporter of, like I said, everything sports in St. Louis, and uh, we appreciate them wanting to be a part of Blues NHL Podcast. I want to remind you guys, too, with Blues NHL Podcast, uh, our website, bluesnhlpodcast.com, that's where we house the, uh, the, the podcast itself. You can listen to some back episodes. We've had some great conversations with people if you want to get caught up. Uh, if you want to hear maybe uh, some of the dumb things I said or, or whatever and say, listen, I watched the game after that Cromer said that. He's a, he's a dummy. And that'd be fine, too. I'd love to hear it. But uh, bluesnhlpodcast.com. Love the emails. Info at bluesnhlpodcast.com. Easiest way to do that. Twitter is a, the best way for us to stay in tune with what everybody's doing. At STL Blues Podcast, we ask that you follow us. If you're a hockey fan, we're going to follow you back because we want to know what's going on. Facebook's a great way for us to communicate as well. Just go to Facebook and search Blues NHL Podcast. And we are a part of lineupmedia.fm. We couldn't do this without them. We come to you from their studios, and they're such a big supporter. They, without a doubt, made our winter uh, classic contest the success that it was. Subscribing to the show is the easiest way to stay on top of what we're doing. We did the subscription drive with the contest. It was very successful. We do appreciate you guys. 
Uh, anybody that subscribes will tell you the easiest way to get a notification like, hey, the show's out, is to simply subscribe. I could give you a long laundry list of how to do it, but I promise you, if you just go to bluesnhlpodcast.com, you'll see the thing, subscribe to the podcast, you click on it, boom, very simple, very easy to do. If you need any help with it, of course, you can contact us through any of the social media platforms or simply email us, as I said, info at bluesnhlpodcast.com. So, um want to move on to, uh, we're going to cover a few segments here because I have some great friends in the studio. Um, met these people quite a few years ago, and it was interesting how when you move from one place to another and you leave friends and, and you do all this stuff, you always wonder where am I going You know, when I move there? You know, Will I have local people right by me that like some of the same things I do? Well, I met these people on my street and wound up spending a lot of time with them through a, a friend of ours house who has a swim pool, and it's just a lot of fun times, and our interests were seemed to be really the same because sports is a very easy thing to do. So uh, hockey would come up inevitably, and uh, they had a son, and he was named after one of my favorite blues and probably yours too, and that's Brendan Shanahan. I hope I'm telling that story right. They're looking at me shaking their head, yes. So um, very interestingly enough, uh, had the opportunity to get to know him, and they're such huge hockey fans. Uh, they graced us with their presence at our party at Rookie's. Uh, they're donned in their blues gear here today, and we're happy to have them in the studio. I want to welcome in Steve and Brendan Woods. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Jim. Well, what do you think, guys? Um, I want to welcome you in. Uh, Steve, obviously, since you're older than your son, you've been the <laughs> hockey fan longer. When? Uh, how long have you been a blues fan? Oh, man, my first blues memories would go back to um, probably the early 70s. So um, in a month, I turned 50. Okay, so I was right there with the blues. Oh, right there. You're almost, you're almost a lifer, huh? Right. But my first game I can remember is going to maybe in first grade. Mom worked with somebody that was lucky enough to have season tickets. So once or twice a year, we'd go to a blues game. And along with that, we would go to the arena club. You guys remember the old arena oh, club? Oh, I do remember the arena club. And that was, you know. and, and You I had remember, to be somebody to go in there. I, I know. We that. felt really special. And then, um, you know, my favorite, the favorite thing to cap it off at the arena club was that they had this ice cream in the shape of a blue note. <laughs> oh man, I love that. That was a, that was the highlight of it. Then we'd go sit down at the game, and we'd sit. Uh, the seats were maybe five rows behind the goal, and for whatever reason, the games we always went to were the Chicago Blackhawk games. <laughs> well, that's not so bad. No. <laughs> so the uh, you know there's you know Tony Esposito I remember and and Dennis Hull and uh, Stan Makita you wow. know, and uh, I couldn't name that many blues players. Maybe you know the Plager brothers. I loved the way the the hip checks were. Yeah. Um, you know then. You know, uh, Red Berenson was there, then he left and came back, and I don't know, had a whole different number, which really threw me off as a little kid. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, why, you know. And Gary Unger was my favorite player. I had two posters in my wall, or my, actually my, my bedroom door. One was uh, Snoopy from the Peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other side of the door was Gary Unger. Which Snoopy liked to play a lot of hockey, yeah. so you were right there. I was right there. Hey, Darren, I got to ask you, when you, were, when you were in St. Louis, they still, it, it, you were at the arena. The, yeah. the checker dome, as yeah. I want to call it, right? Yeah. You know, put the check back in the checker dome for all of you classic blues fans. I remember being a kid, kind of like Steve's saying, and when we would go over there, uh, my dad would always talk about the arena club. And, we, I, you know, I felt like, you know, I felt like a poor child. You know, we couldn't go to the arena club. And I always imagined in my mind that the arena club was this, like, prestigious place and that after the games, you guys would go to the arena club and, and Gladham people. Did you ever spend any time in there? I mean, or were my, were my theories incorrect? Yeah, I, you know what? I'm Back in the days uh, where he's talking about, maybe that went on. When I was there, I never went there. And uh, I was in there one time in my life, and that was after a Van Halen concert. 
we were sitting there watching Van Halen. We went down, and that's the first time I, I'd been playing there for a half a year, and I finally found out the arena club was down there. Yeah, because it, it was different. It wasn't like the things today where it oversees. It was kind of down and yeah. behind everything, Correct. right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, no, what I thought was cool was it seemed like the law firm that I worked for, I, I was fortunate enough to work for, for a really good man, and he had tickets, and he would make sure that all of us commoners got to go to some blues games. And uh, his tickets were right there where the blues would come out. And I thought that was really cool because – you know, sometimes it was a playoff game. You know, if it was, we hated the Red Wings back then, and, and all that kind of stuff. So those were the those were my funnest times of remembering that. But but that's really interesting. So um, let's fast forward a little bit. You have a, you're fortunate enough to have a son mm-hmm. who's with us today, and you like everybody else have to decide what you're going to name him, and you decide on Brendan because well we 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 like the name Brendan, but we absolutely. Uh my wife and I, we liked blues hockey, and uh, we decided on Shanny's uh, yeah. spelling of Brennan, so that's how we picked it out, and, uh, you know, the yeah. rest is history, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing how that goes. I, I, I had my, my, my son, we went to the hospital the, the day that Daryl Kyle died, day before, or day after, and while we were in the hospital um, getting prepared, because it was prepared, you know, that we knew we, we were having, it was induced, uh, they were talking about Daryl Kyle and what a great father he was and all this kind of stuff. And we had not decided on a middle name, so that's funny. We went with Kyle, and it was because of that. So it's interesting how sometimes our favorite sports stories or, or heroes sometimes uh, creep their way into our personal lives. Uh, let's talk a little bit with Brendan here because he is maybe one of the biggest Blues fans I've ever met. Uh, I love Brendan because what I could promise you is that if I drive down the street He's going to stop me, and he's going to walk up to the car, and we're going to have a blues conversation. So, uh, Brennan, what's your first memories of the blues hockey? Well, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. You uh, you got a favorite player of all time? Tarasenko. Tarasenko is your favorite now. Yeah. Now, is that because we just kind of keep changing our favorite player? I guess it's easy, right, when a guy's scoring all these goals to say that's the guy, right? No, it was because Oshie left and went to Washington. He – uh yeah. Brower okay. And oh, okay. So Oshie was your guy before that, right? Yep. Yeah. I liked. O- I we used to talk about that. Yeah. Oshie was my guy too. Yeah. I liked him. That really hurt me when he when he got moved. Right. Um, but, but it I'll, did it did help us. Uh, yeah. Brower that game winning goal against Chicago. He missed it, and then he uh, got in the rebound. Yeah. No, you're right, and it did. I, that was you know that's an interesting thing, Darren. I want to ask you a question based off Brennan's statement there. We lose a guy like Oshie, who was a fan favorite here in St. Louis, no doubt about it. We get Brower. I think a lot of people at the time thought, well, that's not a fair trade, right? Because everybody just thought whatever. And Brower had an okay season, but, boy, he really stepped up in the playoffs. Is this an example of how sometimes you have to give to get? Now, it may not have worked out for us. I would have liked to have seen a sign Brower to make that trade feel more substance-oriented. But the reality of it is no Brower. I don't know that we make it as far as we did, not that we reached our ultimate goal, but I don't know that – you make a trade anymore without giving to get. Yeah, and I, I think with uh, when Oshi went, the, the fans that really got hurt were all the females in the country. <laughs> they're the ones that love TJ Oshi. So, but let's you know, let's TJ Oshi when when he goes to the Olympics and he does what he does in the shootouts, blah blah blah. He become really popular at that point in time. TJ Oshi was fabulous with the puck and everything, but still Brower Brower comp can come in and he brings a more uh, physical part of the ball game. Uh, something the Blues needed. Um, Oshi goes, you know, he's got the hands. He's gonna, you know, score the goal. But he, Oshi's not a fifty goal scorer or anything here. Right. So you know, you're you need to you need to give something away uh, to get something. And Brower, 
Uh, I believe we're missing him right now. Um, he, you know, he goes away. You, you get him for, uh, you give a player away, and then you can't resign him. And I think that hurt a lot because um, that you lose him, you lose Bacchus. You know, that's a lot of size the Blues lost there. But sure. you're right. You got if you get you want to get something that's going to help your club. Usually, you have to give something, and they're not they're not giving them away free. That's for sure. Uh, Brennan, so since Tarasenko is your favorite player, I think you heard Darren earlier allude to the fact that mm-hmm. one of the needs he sees is that the Blues need to address the center position for Tarasenko. Do you see that as well? I can't tell. You know, kind of hard to yeah. tell. Yeah. I mean, they all look good to us, right? Like, you you know, you played hockey, right? right? Yeah. What, how old were you when you started playing? I was uh, uh, middle of fifth grade. Middle of fifth grade, okay. So you started playing hockey. It kind of... Sometimes looks easy, right, until you get out there and play, yeah. <laughs> right? Would that be a good assessment? <laughs> yeah. So you started playing, and this is kind of where we'll talk a little bit about our St. Louis Youth Hockey Report because you guys have some interesting things. You guys listen to the show, which we appreciate. And to this point, what you've heard uh, us talk a lot about is some of the elite stuff that we've been very fortunate to have go on in, in, in the area, for sure, no doubt. Um, Brennan, you played for TBL, which, right. which is Twin Bridges, which Darren mm-hmm. uh, was a part of, of course, mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and speaks very highly of. they got some great people over there. All the organizations are, are great, yeah. really. I mean, let's face it. Um, so you were a part of that. Um, and really one of the first things probably, I'm going to guess here because my son did the same thing, was the first thing you did the Learn to Play program? Yeah. How would you – I mean, did that make you kind of fall in love with it, like I want to do this? Well, the reason I got into hockey is I uh, I was sitting on uh, my dad's lap. I uh, asked him uh, – when can I start playing hockey? He said, <laughs> well, let's wait till you're a little older and uh, let's see how how everything goes. Right. Well, you get out there, you do this, and then you start playing for Twin Bridges, right? Yeah. And that eventually leads for you uh, into high school, which mm-hmm. uh, you're from Edwardsville. Um, Edwardsville very quickly, I think, and I'll, I want to get Darren's thoughts on this as well because he's, you know, he's seen some very high-level youth hockey. Uh, Edwardsville very quickly kind of jumps on the map uh, I think typically when you hear hockey in St. Louis, and I don't think that this isn't a disrespect to other schools, but uh, I played like a long, long time ago and it was this way. But when you hear hockey in St. Louis, you think of CBC, DeSmet, uh, SLU, Chaminade, some of the yeah. schools at Kirkwood, some of the great schools over there that typically have had very nice hockey programs. And then other schools have had great years, but consistently you hear these same teams. Well, Edwardsville, uh, being in Illinois, they're, they're part of the Illinois League, which is a, well, obviously the, the, the skill level just is down because it just hasn't been established over the years. And now this year uh, they go over and now they're playing in the what I would consider the top league in the area for high school. Right. And they've really, really put themselves on the map as being one of the premier high school programs as well. You join this program and realize real quick that high school hockey over here is a serious business. Yeah, I uh, started playing uh, high school hockey my sophomore year. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we just killed everybody. Uh, 2A just killed everybody last year, so they uh, decided to uh, move us up to what you said, the Missouri League. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like CBC and everybody. Yeah. They uh, lost their first game to CBC, but we didn't have our good players. Right. We lost Schaefer. We lost right. because they were out. But the uh, next game that we played CBC, it was a, it was a physical good game. Yeah. No, I – and again, I think they've more than represented themselves. Um, I, I've said a thousand times in any sport that if you win every game, and especially if you win in that fashion, you need to go find better competition. Right. Um, Kimby, you've seen some top competition. Uh, are you surprised 
that Edwardsville has went over to Missouri and had the success. I mean, I didn't doubt them because I, I know that the talent is kind of, I mean, it's like anything else, right? Some of the best hockey players come from wherever. But, you know, typically these programs over in St. Louis, and you've seen them and, and you've coached some of those kids at different times, when, especially a few years ago. Are you surprised they went over there and had the success they've had? No, I'm not. And, and, what I'm, and where I go with this is many years ago, 10, 12 years ago, it might have been, I was coaching the high school team in Granite City, and we were playing on the Illinois side, and there was two two teams going on in Granite City at the time, and I was trying to bring them together. And, uh, you know, instead of messing around and having two teams, because Granite City's not that big of a place. I know, you know, hockey was going good at the time, but still you needed to be one organization. And so we brought them together, and they allowed us to play on the Illinois side and the Missouri side. So we ended up playing, you know, a lot of hockey that year, like almost 60 games, I think. And uh, we, ended, we won the Illinois side, but we always had to compete on the we, – we just weren't quite – good enough to make it over there the onto the Missouri side. The CBCs and them are sitting there, and they're a very powerful team. What they've done in Edwardsville here, they're, Edwardsville is the, the program of the Illinois side. They've got four teams going now for the high school, so there, there's, a, there's an abundance of kids. Success brings kids into the ballgame, and if you have success, you know, the school starts to get involved in it, and uh, that's the biggest key to it all because when we are in Granite City, uh, a gentleman, he's a fireman in Granite City, John Miller, he, uh, he was the president of the team at the time. Uh, me and John were talking. We had to get the kids noticed at the school. That was the big key because it's really not, it's the hockey's not a school sport over on this side. And so we're just trying to get them noticed. And so they started announcing the game, or announcing who won the games, the guys who were playing for them and that. So that starts to give you a little bit of credibility in the school and other people wanting to play the game because I've always said once you play this game, you'll fall in love with it. And once you get your skates on, you will fall in love with it getting on the ice and what, Ed, what Edwardsville has gone and done here is uh, what I envisioned a long time ago, but I didn't have the I didn't have the population base in hockey to go get it. So they, they what Edwardsville has done is uh, fabulous for this program. You know, um, and I got to say too, I think we're eight shows in before we finally got an organization from either you or Jamie. I mean, everybody <laughs> loves when a Canadian guy says organization, so we finally got one. Um, Steve, you wanted to bring up a topic about youth hockey that you're kind of. You just want to reiterate to people out there, and, and, the, and not that I, you know, not that we haven't broached yet. We just haven't gotten to that point yet. But by having you on, you wanted to talk a little bit about youth hockey and, and your, you know, what you've seen and your experience with it. Yeah, I can give it to you from my perspective. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Okay, so um, I don't know. You, you haven't mentioned it, but Brendan had some health successes as a young kid. Right. Um, he had a heart transplant. Right. So you know, he's a little bit undersized and a little behind. Right. Um. But we started out, I think, squirt, and, and Johnny Miller was Brennan's first coach. Okay. So, oh, well, that's small world, huh? hockey. Yeah. So, um, you know, we knew we were getting a good coach out of Johnny, too. Yeah. So the um, – but but mo hockey is great for all kids. Right. You know, you know, Jamie and you guys all talk about the elite players in right. St. Louis, which, which is excellent. I mean, we were – you know, I hope it's not the peak, but we're having, we had a great last year or two. Yeah. Now, um, but there's room in the in the area for kids um, like Brendan, right. you know, and it's it's rec leagues, and at at the time I think they called them house house teams, maybe. Sure. But they were lower level, and and mo hockey is great because you divide up the kids based on their skill level. So Brendan's playing against kids with his same skill level. He's not playing against these guys that are on the junior world team, right? And uh, which makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, so, like, Brennan, I don't know, he might have brought his medals along, too. Yeah. yeah. But he had a couple state championships with Mohawkey. Right. But they were, like, the silver level 
you know, they have silver, gold, and then you get in your A, double A, sure. you know, triple A, or two A. Right. I don't even, there's so many levels. Right. And uh, I think he, he won um, 2010, they won the state championship. Right. And uh, maybe 2013 in the Pee Wee division, yeah. they, they got a state championship. You know, I agree with you. My son, uh, his exposure to hockey was he played for a few years with, with Twin Bridges as well. Um, never played on the top team. Always played on the team right below the top team. And I used to think the same thing. I used to think it was great that they would do their best to divide these teams up um, based on skill level and then have them try to play light competition. With the goal always being at the end of the year to somehow, and this is hard, it never works perfectly. It's not a perfect world we live in, right? But somehow, some way, shape, or form, man, if you could be somewhere hovering around 500, obviously your goals would be over 500. If you could do that, especially at a young age when they're developing and they're, they're falling in love with the game, it would be great. And I agree with you. I think they do a great job of this because the reality of it is not everybody's going to play for Jamie or Darren when they're coaching these these top teams. And that's okay. I, see, people want to make excuses. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Listen, everybody sometimes has a skill set that translates to whatever it is you do that allows you opportunities to do things at a higher level. But if you just want to play, and like I said, I, uh, you know, Brennan became one of my best buddies when I met him and realized how much he loved hockey. He just wanted to play, you know. And, and you mentioned it. I, you know, to me, I don't. You know, yeah, he had some some health things go on, but he's just a kid that loves hockey to me, right? And good for him that they allowed him to do that. And I always thought, too, and what I found interesting, to translate it into high school, and Darren brought it up, and I think Edwardsville was very fortunate, uh, or they are very fortunate, to have the numbers to where they have teams at different levels. So uh, Brennan was able to continue his hockey career into high school. Yeah, considering we don't have a rink. Yeah. (laughs) We have to drive a half hour to get a rink. (laughs) they were thinking about building their rink next to the uh, our high school. Yeah, but uh, they <laughs> yep. didn't have the money. Yeah. Well, we'll see what. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we're going to need some money here first. But um, but no, I, you're right. I think it is a great thing, and um, I, you know, and, and I know the answer to this already. But I'll ask you: Does it, you know, does it really matter to you what kind of hockey you watch? I mean, if for me, and I'm sure I know the answer is, you'd probably rather watch your son play a a house game. Then go watch a bunch of elite kids. Now watching those elite kids is great, but we but your son's having a great time out there. Isn't that really all that matters? Yeah, you know, and he'd sneak in a goal every once in a while. Sure, so it was, you know, yeah, that's exciting. Any fights? Yeah. Fight? You ever fight like this guy to my right here? Do you ever throw him down a little bit? Always no. wanted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got started pushing and shoving, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I felt like dropping them. But uh, you get kicked. <laughs> you get kicked out, and yeah. maybe a game suspension, but. I think yeah, there was some games that. Yeah, you gotta be careful because in high school they'll suspend you real quick, won't they? I think two games are a yeah. game and a half, and you don't want that. No. And, and you know something I love about you is, um, you're you you've graduated, right? You're yeah. done, and yeah. but you still love it so much that you're following the high school team. I mean, every time I see you, you got your high school hockey stuff on, you love it, don't you? Yeah, I uh, do the video recording for the two eight team, and it's just a blast to go see them play. They yeah. uh, they uh, playing, you know, CBC. They played Lindbergh about last Tuesday. They were really physical. They were losing uh, three nothing in the first, and uh, they just got really mad and started shoving at, uh, sure. shoving at everybody. Yeah. And uh, my good friend Stanley Lucas, he was uh, he had uh, the puck, and I don't know if it was a blind hit or what, but he yeah. just got crushed in front of the yeah. in front of their bench. Wow. Now, now, Darren, I'm going to ask you this question here. You've been involved in helping grow hockey. Isn't what they're 
you or anybody else is doing it, isn't what this guy to your right feels isn't that really ultimately what everybody's trying to do is get kids to fall in love with the sport yes it is and and it's nice to see that and then being able to follow on with the program and and do a like in the video or whatever he's doing that that's great because you can tell that he loves the game um and and going back to where we started at you know i was at twin bridges and i was on their board and we were trying to do uh you know you try to move this game along the way it is and like i said a lot doesn't need to be changed but they add things and um my kid, uh, you know, he didn't play on the top team all the time. He, there, there's there's place where you start out, and there's there's different groups where you can play at. And the, the biggest thing of the ADM program that they've established in the USA Hockey was kids playing against kids of the same skill level. And um, that way, when you're sitting playing on a team, even if you're playing on the, the gold team or the silver team, you wanted to make sure the kids were having fun. That's what you were there for. And it would be no fun if you had a, a double-A player playing on a goal team and he would take the puck and he would just do everything by himself. That, that's, right. And that's way old-school hockey, that's how it was played. Okay. And so they developed this program where you now you can go down tiers and you can play. And, and I think that's where people who want to join the, the, in the hockey, at least there's a place for them. In the ADM, they started, they're into cross ice and all this stuff now. So they're, they're trying to get these kids involved, which is really nice to see. Um, we need to... Um, you know, for Jamie Rivers, what he does, and I know Jamie's not here, but the program that Jamie is running right now, Jamie, you know, he's going to Afton, he's going to Twin Bridges, this program, and they're all, they're all going through the program, and, he, and he's showing these guys. So if people are out there watching how Jamie runs a practice and that, how their kids run these ADM practices, it's beneficial to them. And, uh, you know, they, they can see what, what a, a guy does and how a practice needs to be run, which is going to help all these kids in the long run. Well, okay, so another thing I want to touch on, because, uh, listen, hearing you talk about the things that you believe in and, and the help that you've given to the organization, the St. Louis Blues have always been a part of trying to be involved in youth hockey. They get more and more involved in it every year. One of the things that I think all local sports teams um, get a little bit of recognition for, they don't want it, um, it just happens, but one of the things that I want to touch on with our St. Louis Blues is how good they are. Now, Brennan, um, your your dad mentioned earlier that you had some health things. What you basically had was a heart transplant when you yep. were a very young man. Mm-hmm. So you've had instances where you've had to be in the hospital a little bit, right? Yeah. And one of my favorite things is is that you're such a huge Blues fan. The St. Louis Blues tend to stop by a lot, yeah. right? Is yeah. that not true? Yes. Um, you know, what's that like for you when you see your heroes show up when you're probably not feeling your best? Well... It gets you up in the mood. Yeah. Went in the hospital, not doing so good. They uh just put a smile on your face. They uh come and support you sometimes. Right. You know, it was funny when we were at rookies, um, and Barrett Jackman showed up to support us. And uh, yeah, I know he's one of your favorite. He was mine too. I loved him. Um, uh, loved the way he played. Uh, I remember telling him that you were there, and I he said who, and I pointed out, and he knew who you were. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, he he remembered so. These guys, they don't just come and say hi and leave. I mean, no. you, you've told me before, and, and your parents have shared with me before, too, that these guys generally come there, and they, after they meet you and get to know you, they generally care about how you're doing. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's a great thing. And, and, again, I don't know. Darren, did, I guess over the years you've probably done that a little bit. I mean, it's got to be, I'd say, first off, it's probably a humbling thing for you. And, secondly, um, just feeling like you can do anything for for kids has got to help a little bit. It does, and you know, there's a that's one thing, and I'm sure all sports are like this. But you know, to give back to people that 
Uh, you go into the hospitals that have had a rough go of it, you know, to, to bring a smile on their face, like Brendan says, that that's what it's all about. And it's, uh, you know, you it, it brings you, and it sort of gives you a reality check when right. you walk into the, you know, I, even even by walking into the, with my kids to go to see the hospital, I go down to Children's and you're walking through the floors and, you know, to sit there and sit, uh, see, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that's going on in the world that, you know, until you walk in there, you're not aware of. And, you know, how, you know, how fortunate you are and to give back to kids and to put a smile on their face and to do whatever they can. And I know the blues, um, players do that. And that, that's just enormous for the community. That's how you come together. You know, for me, I, I, I would say that, um, I appreciate all the sports when they do it. Hockey, you guys get a pretty good rep of being down-earth guys. So I know it means a lot when they come in. I know all the guys are gracious when they come. We've seen the baseball guys. We've seen the football guys when the Rams were here. I think it's a really important thing. You know, and they care about you as well. And that brings us to our Twitter question of the week. Um, It's actually an old question. And it was interesting. Darren, you've taken a stance, and you did it with Kimball's Corner uh, this week. About I think you're pretty well on record as saying that you don't like the way the enforcer has been taken out of the, 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 the role, so to speak. I think you're on record as saying, too, that you understand that the craziness needs to go away, but that, de- that, that deterrent is no longer there. Uh, I had a little bit of interaction on Twitter with a gentleman that brought up an interesting point. He had kind of said that the fighting needs to go, and I had tweeted back at him, basically, I would be curious to, to know why you feel that, because i become more educated on it by just listening to you. His answer kind of blew me away, and it was, I did not come by this decision lightly, but it's for guys like Darren's health that I want it to go away. I don't want to see anybody else basically have the issues that some of the guys have had. Now, you've done the role, uh, as, and I guess if we want to consider you normal, you seem to be awful normal. Don't let my but, wife go. <laughs> yeah, but the reality of it is there are people out there that want it to go away for your health and the health of the guys coming up after you that fill the same role that you did. I, I'm sure you've thought about it, right? I mean, you, you see things and you probably wonder sometimes, right? Did I get lucky? Did I whatever? But the reality of it is, how does that play into how you feel the role has changed? Uh, you know, Crumbs, I, I understand what the gentleman's saying. Um, now, let's, let's just take a whole overall look at this thing. So there's a big, there's, you know, and I get on there sometimes and a guy, <gasps> a guy says what he says because there's a lawsuit out there. I, I got nothing. I'm not in the lawsuit. I, I don't got nothing to do with that. There's a... Uh, there was a role that we played, and I think where my where I try to differentiate my differentiate myself from this is, there was a role that we played, and when we were doing our job, whether if you got a concussion or not, or what, whatever happened, it, it didn't happen all that often from a fight. You know, once in a while it would happen. Um, you, you probably see more concussions now from guys getting hit for body checks. That, that's just a renowned thing. But when you're sitting there and uh, somebody gets a concussion. And they're not being taken care of off the ice. So when the, the concussion happens off the ice and you come in and your doctor's sitting there saying, you're okay, or your, your trainer's going, you're okay, go back on the ice. I think that's what the big part of it was for me. And, you know, when I look back at it, did it ever happen to me? Yeah, it did. You know, I, I, I got hit. I don't know if I had a concussion or not, but, you know, the bells were ringing a few times. And uh, <laughs> I'd go in, I'd go into the dressing room, the trainer would look at me, you know, they take the smelling salt, they throw it underneath you and, you know, you, you get a whiff of that nonsense and, <laughs> um, and then you go back on the ice and yeah. did you, were you 100%? No, but you had to, you, you were almost sort of said, you know, this is hockey. You go back on the ice, you know, no matter what you're going back to play because that's what you're supposed to do. And so I think where the NHL has gone and they're, they're trying to get to the point where they're trying to take care of these guys better than the ones that do it. 
the concussion part of it I'm talking, uh, that's good. Where I come in at, where I always, I, I want the game to, the integrity of the game to be maintained. And when I see people going after star players that normally wouldn't go after star players if there was someone around to take care of that, that's what I want to get away from. You know, the, where the game of the NHL has gone right now, so they're, they're taking fighting away. Uh, they've, they've, they're chasing these guys out the door. What about the guys that run after your star players? Like, what about the guy that got the, the big thing that was going on on, the, on Twitter with me was the Lane hit in uh, Winnipeg. Right. My bitch is, I don't, I don't care about the hit. I get it. You know, I got nothing wrong with someone hitting somebody. But that's my, that's my money, man. Right. And, you know, going, my, my dream when, I, when I, I chased this dream down the road was to play in the National Hockey League. And once that has accomplished, you're always wanting to win the Stanley Cup. So if you're taking away my money guy, there's got to be a reaction to that. And the guy that hit him, I'll guarantee you, and I'm going to go back way old school because, uh, you know, but like when Rob, like Rob Ray or Ty Domi and these guys were playing, that they would have been playing in that game, something would have happened to the guy. And if Ty Domi uh, is playing for Winnipeg, does that guy go do that hit? I don't know. And I, I'm going to probably say that he doesn't. Right. And, you know, that's, that's what we brought to the game. I say I don't want the brawls. I don't want people out there brawling like back in the old school days when Philadelphia Flyers did it. They they did it for a reason. Can you know the owners wanted it at that time. They're trying to bring hockey to the United States of America, so they said let's bring all this uh, anticipation. We're going to go out and we're going to do all this fight, and they wanted that. They loved it. That's the way the game was played at that time. Do I think we should brawl? No, I don't. But there's got to be a presence there where someone can take care of these p- players that are they're not stars. They're not. Uh, elite players, but they're they're going after elite players, and it's affecting the game because you need the Sidney Crosby's in the game because they show how good this game of hockey is, and a lot of people look up to him. And uh, Brendan likes Tarasenko. If guys are running after his, these guys and hurting him, what good are they sitting in the stands with concussions if there's no one there to take care of them? So then the question becomes this, um, and I, I kind of earlier told you I was going to come all the way full circle with guys that make decisions. So. W- Somebody years ago decided that, and, and I remember it, not to say that I remember it verbatim, but the reality is somebody a long time ago decided that if we were going to grow hockey, we had to get fighting out of it. I remember the conversations like they were yesterday. Um, Who made that decision? Was it lawyers? Was it marketing guys? Because I can't believe hearing you and everybody else talk that it was real hockey people. And I challenged this, okay, I've been to, gosh, I, 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 let's just say I've been to 100 hockey games in my life, okay? I've seen goals scored where 18,000 people rise to their feet and cheer, okay? And I've seen fights and hits where 18,000 people rise to their feet and cheer. I, I don't know who decided that when there was a fight, 18,000 people sat there and crossed their arms and were upset. I don't get it. I don't understand the whole violence thing, I mean, come on. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm over it, I, okay? You want violence, you can go play a video game for, for Pete's sakes, okay? I don't – I'm sorry. Eliminating fighting in hockey is not going to change the world and our view on violence. The reality of it is I think – I remember Brett Hall adamantly advocating for rule changes to allow there to be more offense in hockey. And in my opinion, they could not have gotten it more wrong. You've brought it up. Uh they stopped letting guys hold up forwards from coming back on defense, okay, and the, or, or forechecking, and then what translated there. That rule change, in my opinion, ended Al McInnes' career because once they did away with that, he just got run game in and game out, okay, going back and getting pucks, never had the opportunity to turn and transition. 
saw it with my own eyes. Nobody will ever change my mind on it. Um, that also didn't allow defensemen to stop guys from getting back on defense and opening up, you know, two-on-ones, three-on-two, so that guys could create. What we have now, in my opinion, is a game where everybody backs into the goal because now we got all this equipment that could stop a bullet, okay? And these guys shooting 100 miles an hour, nobody's scared of it anymore. So they just stand there, and we either see deflections or pucks hit people and go the other way. They did not accomplish what they wanted. I don't understand why we can't go back and fix the wrongs. Yeah, and you know what? The Where does this come from? That That's the, the million-dollar question that I like to know. I know Gary Bettman sits there. I know there's. I know it's he's the boss. Um, he, he answers. He's the guy that talks for the owners, so he's the boss. Who got into his head? You, you know, you see players come out. Stevie Eiserman was against it. Uh, I'm going to say, and the young man sitting here, Brendan Shanahan come out and, and was against it a little bit in the fighting department and when he got to be a general manager in Toronto, and I, I, I don't know why. Um, you know, and there's there's a point when you're looking at the game, and, and Chrome's realistically, what does it come down to? Does it come down to money? I bet you it does because well, people in the United States, the, the ones that wanted the big guys that got all the money that are going to support this game, television game, we want a different product on the ice. We want it. So what are you going to do? So then they're going to put it into you-know-who, Gary Bettman, the lawyers, the guys that don't play the game, and all they need is a couple guys to stand up within the hockey community, and boom, it just changes the whole atmosphere. Well, I like I said, I, I understand fully what you're saying. I do think it was interesting that there are fans out there that are thinking of your health, which I'm sure you appreciate. Yep. But at the end of the day, um, I think most guys, football players, everybody, um, you know, I hate to say it, but they know going into it the ramifications, and right? That's, that's, the, that's the big key, and I, just, I was going to say that, that, and I appreciate it, anyone that's concerned or whatever, but the big thing is I wouldn't change a damn thing in my life. And I, I, I played the game when I was a young kid. I played the game that I loved, and fighting helped me get to where it was, uh, and I am ever grateful that I was allowed to play in the National Hockey League. Well, uh, I'm going to ask you the hard question, though, now. Okay, this gentleman probably would say to you, if God forbid you weren't okay, would you feel that way? Yes. I, no, would I feel that way? Yeah, of course I would. And uh, you know what? There's, it, it's happened to a few players on Chrome. You, know, you hear some stories. You have Mike, to know some. Mike Peluso is one of them, and, and he's gone through the battle. And, and some of these guys, you're going through the battle. But I, I have a chance of walking across the street and getting hit by a car. That, that could happen. You know, going through what I did, why I wouldn't change it. You know, the young man we have here today, look at the, what he went through. He went through, at a young age, a heart transplant. That Things go on in your life that you don't know are coming. I did something that I loved. Everyone in this world, if you have something that you love to do, you go ahead and do it. Is there consequences to that sometimes? There could be. I don't know that. But I will stand on my both feet, and I'll look you right in the eye every time. I did what I loved to do. I loved it. I believed in the integrity of the game of hockey, the way that I was brought up. And I continued to follow it, and I wanted to leave the game as good as a place as when I walked into it, and I believe I did that. You know, I, guarantee, I can guarantee, and you, you, you just mentioned one. I wouldn't ask you to name names, but you named one. You obviously know some guys that are probably dealing with some after effects of, of head injuries. You've probably, because you're in that, in that world with them, I mean, that brotherhood, you've probably asked them, or they've probably brought it up to you. Is there any of them that would change? I, I don't think so. Their you know, families probably, their the, families probably would, are, are upset because they, they love them. They could, and, and then they might sit. Some might sit there. I, I've heard a couple come out in the media that have said uh, they were being uh, people were pushing them to do something that they didn't want to do and all that. Christ, one guy came out and blamed Don, Don Cherry. You know, he's like a god in Canada. Don right. Cherry, he didn't, he didn't tell the guy to go do what he was doing. 
You make a choice in your life what you want to do. And if you want to do that choice, you better be damn well sure you're going to stand up for it. And is there is the NHL going in the right direction? I believe they are. You know, they, they're holding guys out of games so they get concussions. Football's doing the same thing. But it's unfortunate for football. It took a huge lawsuit to finally figure the damn game out. And I right. think hockey's going through the same process. It took a huge lawsuit because they were pushing us out the door. Uh, owners are what created the job that I did. They created it. I f- saw the vo- what was there, and I accepted their challenge, and I became one of them. Real quick, um, we, we don't have much time left, but um, your thoughts, Steve, on fighting in the game. I mean, and, and be as honest as you want to be. Be honest. You know, uh, I kind of missed it a couple years ago when it was starting to fade out, but now I don't miss it. Yeah. When you listen to Darren talk about the need for oh, it, though, oh, do you understand it? Yeah, for, for 50 years of playing sports, I, 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 I know exactly what his role is. I, whether it be softball and the guy has a hard slide or, sure. you know, whatever. You know, in second grade when we were playing floor hockey in the gym for PE class, I'm getting ticked off when I – you know, I'm sticking the butt of my stick in the, in the guy's ribs because I thought he took a cheap shot on me. Well, and, and the thing is, and what I liked about Darren's explanation is, it's not just a hockey thing. It's life. There, if you do what would be considered a bonehead thing, there should be ramifications. So I think that's really, at the end of the day, yeah. what it comes down to. Brennan, your thoughts on fighting in the game. And you can be as honest as you want to be as well. I love it. I like seeing uh, <laughs> people going after. I like. I definitely like Reeves going after somebody if there's a big hit on, uh, let's say, uh one of the young guys, like Robbie Fabry, he yeah. uh, sticks up for him. He uh, yeah. Yeah. he goes after whoever hit him, and yeah. uh, you know. So you understand it. You yeah. understand why. And, and Brennan's yeah. had some friends. You know, Brennan's, you know, not a big guy. Right. So so his his head is about where other high school kids' elbows right. are. Sure. And uh, you know, there, there's a lot of kids that would stick up for Brennan too, which I really appreciated. Well, it starts at a young age. That's good, yeah. right? Well. I appreciate Darren's honesty on this and, and your guys' as well. Before we get out of here, though, we just want to uh, just briefly, you brought up the uh, three-game road trip. This this West Coast swing is always tough. Uh, essentially, they're going to play Thursday, Saturday, Sunday out there. Uh, and, boy, I mean, like you mentioned, the Kings playing well, the Sharks always hard on us, and then uh, we go into Anaheim as well. I And I – I don't know if you're too early to say this right now, Crumbs or not. Is it's a big part of the blue season? I think it is. I think they gotta they gotta find out about their goaltending. They gotta find out about the character on their team. They I, I think Army's got to be looking out there to see what he can get, possibly or what he's gonna give. He's got to start be thinking: Are we going to make the playoffs? Are we falling back? Uh, are we gonna be a seller and give away and build for the future? You know, there's a lot of stuff that's got to be going on through their head because right now they're in sixth spot. And this trip, if you don't go out there and win and Nashville and these guys are starting to come up the rear end, you know, you, you could be out of the playoffs by the time you get back after this road trip. So I think it's a critical point for them. Well, I think they got to come home with four points. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, th- this is definitely a situation where I'd take a point in a couple of these games and take my chances in overtime to try to come home with, with some points. Uh, great stuff today, uh, Darren. Uh, you did great. I know I'll tell you what, Jamie can take vacation, I think, from time well, to time. Now, know, we're now good, we huh? know we're both the elephant in the room when things don't go quite good, don't we? Yeah, huh? maybe you should start sending some pictures of him in the morning like he likes to do to you. <laughs> but uh, you guys have no idea the pictures that this Jamie sends of our poor friend Darren in the morning here. <laughs> but, um, hey, Steve and Brendan Woods, thank you so much for being here this week. I hope you guys James, enjoyed being Jim, on the show. Jim, can I say something? Absolutely. Um, on this road trip in California, I don't think they should just allow on Tarasenko to score all these goals. Okay. We, need, we need a lot of people. Because, like what he said, uh, uh, L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim, Anaheim are uh, really good teams and physical. 
Yeah. So we just can't rely on Tarasenko getting all these goals on the road trip. We need, like, Pareko, like you said, with that 104-mile slap shot. Uh, Edmondson needs to shoot the puck. Right. And uh, we need a lot of one-timers from people. We just can't pass the puck and right. rely on Tarasenko. I think sometimes we take too long, yeah. And real quick before I know, I'm not, I'm not trying to jump you off subject here, but before you go, um, Mama Kimby's doing a lot better. I was going to say. Mama yeah. Kimby's getting around here, and uh, keep up the good work, Mom, and uh, I know you're going to be listening to this, and I uh, love you dearly. Yeah. We've had to uh, – Mama had to get up and get moving around, yeah. and that's all it took, huh, to be feeling a little better. She's starting to get better and better every day. Right. So thank God my sister, you know, yeah. has done an amazing job with her. Yeah, that is great. I'm glad you brought that up. We kind of got rolling here and didn't get to address it early. But, uh, no, hey, listen, uh, Brennan, thanks. Your your insight is, is dead on, I think. We need we need more scoring for more people for sure. I think Darren touched on it earlier in the show. It can't be the Tarasenko show, even <laughs> though we like it, right? Yeah. We need some help. But uh, – you guys are great. Thank you for being ambassadors for uh, the you know all divisions of hockey. I think it's a great message for all the Blues fans out there that if they have kids or if you're a young Blues fan yourself, there is somewhere for you to play if you love this game. Uh, the St. Louis Blues do a great job of it. Uh, I know that Jamie's mentioned it numerous times. If you get a hold of Synergy Hockey, if you talk to Jamie Rivers over there at Synergy Hockey, he will lead you to where you need to go. He's been so great with the community. Of course, we talk about some of the great players that Jamie's had the opportunity to work with because they're doing great things. But the reality of it is, and, and I've had this conversation with Jamie off air, he's helped numerous people, as you have, Darren, just find their way into the game so that they can try to love something that you and Jamie obviously were fortunate enough to play at the highest level and will never forget. So, And there's a, there's a good story. When you start a young kid and they start down on the goal team and they work their way up and to the double-A team or the triple-A team, whatever it be, those are the kids that you really have passion for and that coaches fall in love with. Yeah. No, it's a great thing. And congr- and, and very much let me, a shout-out to Edwardsville Hockey. Obviously, I, I live in the area here and uh, and follow them. Uh, I know some of the kids kind of coming up now because Logan had played with some of them. So my interest level keeps increasing. I was always excited by the fact that Brennan had the opportunity to participate in something like that, that you know, typically maybe back in the day they didn't have those opportunities for kids to continue if they – weren't at that highest level so for me i think hockey's gotten it right in that aspect i think it's a great thing uh, i'm happy for edwardsville and how they're doing uh, but at the end of the day uh, steve i think you brought up a great point if you want to play hockey there is somewhere for you to play fall in love with it it's a great game uh, and enjoy it that's it at the end of the day so um steve woods brendan woods thank you so much for coming in uh don't be strangers we'll have you back again and uh brendan you take care of yourself bud we'll, uh, yes thank you know you, we're, we're definitely wishing you nothing but continued health okay good job, bud young man all right and there's uh, one more thing about edward though is uh yep there's a really good talented tyler schaefer he uh he's really skillful and he uh he tried out for the triple a or double a blues and he uh he's playing for them really yeah, that's amazing thing. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a good player, Darren. Good I know player. you've you've yeah, followed yeah. him. He's a heck of a player. And uh, they've definitely got some talent. Hey, you know what we'll do? We'll get you back in sometime for an Edwardsville report since they're local. How about that? There you, <laughs> go. There you, you go. can be our correspondent. Hey, for the Woodses, for my producer Brian Crock, can't do the show without him. Jamie on assignment, and of course our good buddy Darren Kimball over here to my right. We are the Blues NHL podcast. Uh, tune in Monday for our weekend recap. We uh, appreciate everybody going uh, going through that first show with us. It's our first show, uh, you know. Give us a little warm-up there, and we're going to get better at that one for sure as uh, as we really appreciate everybody's support. We love Angela Sharp coming on, giving her thoughts. The, the St. Louis Game Time Report with Bradley, good stuff. Uh, again, we're just trying to give you guys a little bit more of that fan flavor. So uh, for Blues NHL Podcast, go Blues!
This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.